quit a job, ever redefined yourself within one, ever started something in one big, but failed. Quit is a call-in show hopefully helping people sort out their lives, reevaluate their options, kick their crummy corporate stooge jobs to the curb, and start something awesome. I'm Dan Benjamin. It's time to quit. I don't know. I think that was a better intro, second time around. People who are downloading this are like, what? It's the first intro. But no, actually, it's the second one. You can call in live to the show if you want. Number to dial is 512-518-5714. We already got half lines full. 512-518-5714. In the studio with me, physically seated across from me, back from her trip, is Hattie Cook. How are you? Hello, how are you? She has the frequency with me in the morning and a bunch of other things around here. She's a producer. On the line with me, I have a good friend of mine, a poster child for the, the fact that it's impossible to have a, a successful full-time job and a successful side business. Garrett Diamond, creator, founder of Sifter. How are you, Garrett? I am fantastic, Dan. See, I think this uh, second time around is way better. So much better. Way better. There's no more opera music playing. The buzzing is gone. All the things we do. But now they're shouting out there. I want to go, you know what, I'm, when, when, I'm going to wait for the souls? other people in here to have a, a meeting and I'm just going to play opera music and <laughs> shout outside their door. I'm just going to my computer outside the glass and just hold it. All right. Garrett, I hate to ask you this again, but what's Sifter? Sifter is a bug and issue tracking application. It's a web-based application. You built this thing in Rails. I did. You learned, you taught yourself taught in Rails. Yeah. You started out doing design and other kinds of project management work, and you realized that there was a need for this thing. Yep, sounds and about you, right. you went out and then built it, and you didn't just build it, you taught yourself Rails, you taught yourself system administration, you taught yourself everything that goes into doing this kind of project. You taught it all to yourself, and you did it while you were working for someone else, and then eventually built this thing, stood it up, and made a real business out of it, and eventually were not only able to pay yourself a salary, but hire people to help. Kind of. Nobody's full-time other than me, but yeah, yeah. And now I'm going to try and write a little ebook about it. And you're, you are a uh, success story in this, and I, I take full credit for that. Moderate success, right? Because you were going to release it as open source. I talked you out of it. You did. I actually talk about that in the book. I would like to read this book. I would like to get an advanced copy. I think I can handle that. And you were probably already on the advanced copy list anyways. Nice. All right. So we've got, we've got a bunch of voicemails here. We've got a bunch of callers already queued up and ready to go. I don't want to make them hold too long. So I've got a new thing. Some people like the call. Some people don't like the calls. We're keeping the calls. Let's keep the calls. Then the calls are not going anywhere. No. Let's just be clear. That's, that's what the show's about. not canceling any calls. Talking to people. Power to the people. Yeah. I can say that twice in a row. Yeah. All right. So here we are. We're in Austin, Texas. It's 4.45 p.m. Central Time. And uh, this is Friday evening. It's drive time. You're driving home. You're listening to this and you're starting to get angry. And you're not as angry as I am right now, but you're starting to get angry because you know that in two days you get to go back to that corporate stooge job that you hate. And you know what? You know what? Last week, Hattie, you were out. I was out. But I described the typical corporate stooge. Right. And I feel like what I need to do, I have corporate stooge.net. And uh, what I need to do is I need to get someone to draw a caricature of the corporate stooge. Mm -hmm. And then I need to have a description of the corporate stooge so that I can just simply say to people, if you're wondering what I'm talking about, you just go to corporate stooge.net and you will see the definitive explanation 
one of those one-page site deals, then you'll know what a corporate stooge is. But let me just describe it for you briefly. A corporate stooge is somebody who goes to work and probably spends most of their day either in an open office or cube, or if they're very lucky, a small office of their own. They work for, at a company that's a large company that is uh, completely disregards them as, as a human being. If they were to quit, they were just another person would slide out of the floor and, and pop up. Just like the inflatable autopilot in the movie Airplane. There's another one would just inflate right where they were sitting and start typing. That's the corporate stooge job. And you have a long commute and wear khakis and a polo shirt. And you question what the hell you're doing and why you went to college for this. And you're miserable. So my new policy for, for people on hold waiting to talk to me is that if they're on hold for more than, uh, you know, 10 minutes is what I'm going to try and keep it at. So for these people who are sitting there, they're almost reaching 10 minutes. I'm just, I'm going to try and go to the calls. Does that seem reasonable, Garrett? I think so. All right. And Gary, you're going to help me with these calls. Then we're going to get to your story. Awesome. Because today I wanted, I wanted to revisit this topic of, uh, of fear and, and independence. Because Garrett, I remember there was this one point. You called me. You called me out of the blue. And you were, you were at your wit's end. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Which time? <laughs> Maybe the first time. When, and, and you're like, you'd been working nonstop. You'd been writing code. You had server issues. There was downtime. You were pulling your hair out. And you're like, Dan, how are you so zen through all of this stuff? <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm not. I just, eventually something broke inside of me and I, I couldn't care anymore. But I want to talk to you about that crisis you have. So let's, this one's going to be about a crisis. That's the topic today, crisis. Now you handle crisis, whatever that means. So let me just jump on and let me grab this, uh, Hattie, area code 301, fast. Uh, you didn't tell me to have You got to be ready. Thing. Hey, hey. Three, 301. Area code. Maryland? All right. Maryland. Yes. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. What's your name? Good. Tyus. All right. Is that a code name? No, no. That's my real name. Okay, cool. Well, welcome to the show. What can I do for you, sir? You calling to talk to me or Garrett? Um, uh, either one is cool. Right. Either one is good. Um, I, I've been, you know, really lucky in that. I actually was one of those people who did a job that I really enjoyed, but I needed more money mm. and I didn't want to leave the job. Mm-hmm. And I actually found a way to get around the corporation I was working at. Mm-hmm. I knew, found out they were losing their their contract because of the money, and I found out how much they bid on the job. And because I didn't sign a non compete, I bid against them and I beat them by just by cutting my what they were charging by twenty percent. I'm happier. I who cares about them? But now I'm making the money I want to make. I can support my kids, and everything's good. So I would want to encourage people to look at other avenues to kind of do what you want to do and get the job you want to get or get the money you want to get. But it might be right in front of you and you don't even know it. So you kind of stole the business away from him in a little bit of a way. We're not going to say steal. We're going to say... Um, <laughs> Le- leveraged a connection you had. There you go. That's gonna, and, and so then you, you, if I may, you parlayed that into a, a business for yourself. Exactly. Exactly. I didn't even have my own business, so I found out they were losing the contract. I quickly got incorporated, quickly uh, paid all my, you know, um, government fees and all those things and set up my business quickly and uh, 
took it right from under them. And like I said, because it's public information, because it was a government contract, they have to put out, as far as in the public sphere, what, what the rates were. And I just took their price and cut it by 20%. Very sly. Very sly. I like this. This is some good. This is thinking outside the box. And so now is, are you still doing this? Are you still running this business? Still successful? Oh yeah. Still, still running. I picked up a couple other contracts. It's great. Uh, I go in less, you know, I had a long commute, but, um, I go in less. They, they don't require me to go in as much, but I'm, I make a ton more money because you know how it is. Corporations, they charge your rate plus any other tack ons they have. And even by cutting by 20%, I almost doubled my salary. Wow. Wow. Way to go, Titus. What a story. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks for the call, man. That's inspirational. Hey, no problem. Thanks for 5 by 5 I love your network. Hey, you're too kind. Thanks, man. All right. Take care. Bye. What do you think of that, Garrett? I think that's the uh, typical. Once you cut out the middleman, you know, you pick up a little bit of extra work and responsibility, but you uh, get to keep a lot more of your... Uh, income from the work you're doing. I mean, here's a guy, he, he's working at a place. He hates it. He's miserable. Yeah. He doesn't understand how to turn his life around. He's, he's on the edge. And then he finds out about this contract, public contract. And he says, I could do that. And he goes, and he gets it. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's very much the whole, you know, you can work Who for taught the him how to do that, Garrett? Who taught him how to do that? Who taught you how to start a business? You know, I, I think it's just something you pick up over time. I don't think it's uh, it's something that's innate. And uh, like in his case, he clearly took control of the situation, took control of his own uh, income by not sitting back and kind of waiting on the company. He said, you know what? I can do this. I'm going to go do it. And and that's really kind of the mentality it takes is to, you know, you just want to put things in your own hands. And look at that. That guy took control of it. He stepped totally outside the box. He took control of this thing. Could have been a bad thing. And he, he pulled this out. Yeah. Now I'm impressed with Titus. And I, what I didn't get a chance to talk to him much about is the fear. The fear that you have when you're sitting alone like you were, Garrett, in that red room of yours. Is it still red? No, no. It's now uh, grayish and okay. bluish. You sit in that red room and you're there at 2 a.m., because the server went down. You're the only one that knows how to fix it. You're the only one who can fix it. And you get that page and you wake up in the middle of the night and you're sitting there and your wife's got that new baby crying and there's a dog in the other room and you're sitting there at 2 a.m. in this room. What am I doing this for? I can't even pay myself a salary. What am I doing this for? I'm, I've gone nuts. And you want to you remember when he came to you and said, Dan, I'm, I'm just done with this. I just want to sell this and walk away. And you stuck with it, didn't you? Yeah. Well, it's, I think the, uh, the, luckily it's one of those things where the, the downtimes are very short and condensed. And other than that, you know, you look at it and it's like, you go through the thought process of, okay, well, if you weren't doing this, well, what else would I do? Would I go work for somebody? And well, I think I could, I just can't imagine being happy doing that. So it's, it's one of those things where I know now, again, kind of back to that control, I have the control and I never have to worry about, you know, is it all just going to disappear or blow up? Those negative moments happen. They kind of suck. Uh, you fight through them and then they're over. It's not an ongoing, constant misery of uh, a regular job. 
that, you know, just all, all of that pain that you have every day commuting and oh man dealing with bosses who don't get it or don't care or whatever. Uh, it's, it's a totally different world and I can't imagine doing anything else regardless of how crappy certain moments might be. Let me tell you a little story back in my IT days. This is back in the days where the internet was around, but at home, if you had a 56K modem, like you were doing great. And if you had an ISDN line, like I did, you were, you're a God among men. And I had an ISDN line and I could do some limited system administration from my house. And I used to run a network. It was for an aerospace company. And I used to run the network for their corporate office. And so the naming convention for the servers was a King Arthur's court. I did not come up with this. So Arthur was the main server. And then each of the different locations had their own server. And let me tell you how tight these, these guys were. This was a Spark, a Spark server, a one. Spark Station 1 was a one. And they had tens out. And the engineers at this company had better machines on their desk than we had serving, you know, clients of 300 people. <laughs> and the way that we used to back this thing up was with tape. Using the dump command. You might want to clarify for some listeners, I think, because I barely even realized that computers used to use tapes. Yeah. <laughs> So the first thing you said, tape, I'm thinking duct tape. Uh, yeah, th- this, is, this is the same kind of tape, kids, that your parents would put their music on. These are just much smaller. And there were these backup tape drives that we had. And so what you would do, I'm putting this into the show notes at 5by5.tv slash quit slash 5. You can look about it as Spark Station 1, also known as the Sun 4 slash 60. This was running our network, this little, little tiny machine. And so what would happen is the backup would run and the backup would require these tapes and they were too cheap to buy us new tapes. This is a, a huge company, multi, multi-million dollar company. They wouldn't buy me new tapes. So I was constantly having to recycle the old tapes and the little cassette tapes, little, little cassette tapes, like what you put in your car stereo back in the eighties. And so you would put, you put in these tapes the night before, and then you'd, you'd leave and then I would take the previous day's tape home with me, and I, or two tapes at one point, it grew to two tapes. And I would put it in a little, a little um, safe that I had in my house at home. And then they also had the weekly backups and the monthly backups, level zero, et cetera. And so I would keep a copy of each of those at the house and rotate them out. But we were reusing tapes all the time. And what happens is these tapes go bad. And there's no real way to check the tape without doing a full restore of it because it's not like you can seek to a specific sector like you can with a disc and say, does this file look good? Okay. No, you would have to read the tape and maybe, maybe you know, half a gigabyte into the tape, if they were even that big, that you would find a problem with it. And you wouldn't know until you were trying to do the restore that there was a problem. So at one point, the Liebert air conditioning system in the room, the little tiny, you know, data center room, failed. And when it fails, there's no notification that it fails. There's no indication that it fails. There's no new relic that you can install <laughs> on a server that gives you notification of a problem. There's no temperature sensors in a machine that you can set up an automated email. That, no. It was 1995, maybe. Maybe 96. 
You have none of this stuff. The one thing that we had, we had a remote, remote reboot switch. So I could dial a special phone number and press a, a couple buttons on the, the touch tone of my phone and it would cause, it would just cut power to something. <laughs> that was the closest thing we had to remote administration with this. Wow. Because they had so, because they were an aerospace company, everything was locked down. You couldn't like dial into anything. Way too paranoid. So I come in in the morning and I hear some kind of loud mechanical sound happening, which is never good. And I go into the server room and in the server room, all I hear is just some kind of clanking sound. Well, it turns out the Liebert unit is freaking out, shutting down. So we have to shut it down. And it's about 110 degrees in this room now because the Liebert unit, which is supposed to cool things, was, had been running hot. So it had heated up the whole room. So I start pointing fans at the servers. We had an Informix machine in there. Database, you know, corporate stuff. And needless to say, several drives had already gone bad. This is back in the day where like you, you have that kind of temperature drives going to go bad. And of course, now it's my job to restore from tape. Guess what else went bad? The tapes went bad. So I had to go back to the previous day's tapes. That means they're going to lose all their work. Whose fault is that? Well, oh, it's my fault because I should have had better backups. Well, they won't buy me new tapes. This is the corporate stooge mentality. This is what people have to deal with. This isn't even a bad story. I've heard worse stories than this. Then you spend the next day restoring stuff. Just so happened that, you know, that was a holiday. Well, guess who, guess who spent all day during the holiday restoring from tape? Because it takes hours to restore from a tape. And you don't know if that tape's failed until it gets to that point. And, and as you're saying this story, Dan, too, like, there in that situation, you're expected to carry the same responsibility anyways. Anything crappy goes bad, you're the one that's going to have to deal with it. Oh, yeah. And it might as well be your company if you're going to one that's going to have to deal with it anyways. This is, that's the point. You, you, then, just, you just got... You just cut to the chase. It might as well be your own thing because yeah. you're investing all of that time and energy and effort. Well, and heart, just emotional investment in something like that is it just, or you, you know, you, you probably would have prevented the problem in the first place because you would have shelled out for the tapes. <laughs> I probably should have bought it out of my own pocket so. just to avoid that headache. Yeah. And this is the kind of thing people deal with this all the time. I hear much worse stories than this all the time. And it doesn't, it, it never gets better, people. Hang on, it's got someone on here on hold for 22 minutes. It's dedication. Area code two, uh, 416, who's this? 416. Toronto, it's Alex. Uh, oh, ben, Alex is you? calling back. This is my, <laughs> my Russian friend from Mexico. Yep. <laughs> exactly, you remember. How are you doing? Great, uh, doing great. Doing great. So it, it's a great topic today, um, fear and independence. You know, I I was um, actually thinking about a couple of things that we didn't finish last week, but let's start with fear. I think uh, fear is really important because fear is what drives people to independence. Because people who are on, uh, who are comfortable in their corporate stooge position, they they don't have to go anywhere. They just need to stay where they are. They're happy or unhappily happy. Right. And they just need to stay there, right? But when they're uncomfortable, and, and the only way that they will get their independence, like real independence, is, is to have a little bit of fear, at least a little bit of fear. That's, that, that's my point there. Um, let's go uh, 
back if we can review two things from last week, if you don't mind. No, go ahead. We can do that. Um, thank you. I, I hope people don't hate my phone call. But anyway, I like no. I like uh, yours. I like yours, especially if you promise to do the Russian accent at the end of it. We can we can. Take I can it. I can do. We can try to do it from the Kremlin today. We'll do call right now. No, <laughs> he's good. He's good. It's right, even I mean, me. <laughs> he's good. So on, on moderate success, I, and and you know what, this came to me after we finished the show last week. But uh, I heard. Uh, I think I heard it on uh, the crossover or on Amplified, where you were discussing a little bit uh, the daily against the magazine oh yeah that was on episode two of uh the crossover with uh, gina trapani and jason snow no 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 it was this week oh you're talking about that oh we did we did come back to that topic that was with jim dalrymple and uh moises that was episode number three sorry oh okay so there you go and and you know i i was thinking about it when i was listening to the episode that where would have uh jason calacanis and I apologize to him because I don't know him and I don't know the way he invests. But where would have, would have uh, he invested his money? On the Daily or on the magazine? Oh, he, the Daily, for sure. The Daily, for sure, right? And what is the success of the, mag, of the Daily? Nothing. 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 Huge loss. Listen, I, I, exactly. They have to shut down. I don't know uh, Marco... Evidently, I use all, all his uh, apps and whatnot. And it seems to me that he's way more successful than the daily. And he doesn't need the whole infrastructure, 100 uh, people working for him. And he's doing very good, right. I suppose. Right? So this brings me to a question. What do people who want to quit want these days? Do we want growth or we want profits? Because that's what Calacan has said, that it's not successful if you're not growing, right? And that's what people in, in uh, Wall Street want. They, everybody wants growth. They don't care about profits. So what's wrong with profits? Is, is, is there anything wrong with creating a slightly successful business? Right, the, mo- the, moderate, the moderately or- successful business, moderate success exactly. like we talked about last week. Uh, I, yeah, I don't, I don't want to keep talking about moderate because the success is that you're keeping the profit. And it seems that everybody uh, chastises having profits. Profits means nothing as long as there's growth. And I think that's a, that's a big mistake, especially for the people who are listening to these podcasts, right? So in, in this case, let's go back to our friend Gabriel from last week who called um, uh, before I did. Yeah. Uh, telling us that he was going to uh, do some animation courses. And right. Go this is this is the guy for the for the the shame on the people who weren't listening for last week. But last week, Gabriel <laughs> called up, and he uh, he's he's got a wife and kid, if I remember this right, and he's thinking about yeah. quitting his full time job and, and his wife and kid who depend on him for that money because she doesn't work, quitting his job to go and take some animation classes. So that he can become, a, I guess, it was a computer animator or something. And exactly, and then, an animator. And, and then maybe, maybe to make some side money, do his photography job, which is like he has a little photography business that he'd have to start back up. And then you call up and you're like, "Oh, I used to run a computer animation studio, and by the way, it's no piece of cake, and it's incredibly competitive to get the, these kinds of jobs." And I think we might have we might have talked him out of doing it. Well, he, he was uh, out of the chat room at that point. But anyway, I, this is just an example. I don't want to be, you know, 
hitting on, on, on the guy all the time, but it's a clear example. Why doesn't he go to one of these? There, there's very good online schools, Norman FX, uh, PhD, quite right. a few of them, that do a very good job. You're breaking up on me a little bit. Learning, Let, Alex, let's, uh, let's wrap this right. up, though. But tell me, what, what are you thinking about? Okay. So I think if he has already the photo, uh, the photo business, why doesn't he think how to expand his business? of photography because that's it's the same area and i can think of five different projects that he can start working on on media uh, video corporate videography whatnot and bring his animation skills into the business and expand it in a successful way why does he have to quit everything and go work for whatever studio in uh, in california yeah all right listen i gotta i gotta let you go you're, you're breaking up on me but i appreciate the call thanks man really appreciate it. no problem right, take, take care. care of yourself All right, he's gone. He brought up two points, Garrett, that I want to talk to you about. One thing he said is fear drives you to independence. The second thing he talked about is what, what I was calling moderate success based on what Jason Calacanis, you heard about what Jason's doing, right? You hear about Claire, that? remind me. Jason remind Calacanis started up thisweekend.com and he had tons of shows on thisweekend.com. Mm-hmm. And then he decided he was going to shutter thisweekend.com because it was not it was only a moderate success. It was not a breakout success. And he said that yes. moderate successes, they take away from breakout successes. They prevent you from seeing big things. So the, the, the underlying problem of all of that is using success as an absolute term in my mind, just because everybody has different definitions of success. And I, I don't even know if I personally have a definition of success yet. Um, I look at where Sifter is and I feel like we've still got a ways to go um, before it's quote unquote successful in my mind. Whereas I'm willing to bet somebody out there probably goes, oh, wow, Sifter's a success. He's working for himself, um, working on something he enjoys every day, that sort of thing. Uh, but in, to a degree, he's right. You know, if, if you are working on something that is is not getting you where you want to go uh, or isn't doing it as quickly as possible, then it can be holding you back. That's not to say that it is, but it can be, um, you know, and, and maybe it's something where you feel like, you know what I, I, in his case, you know, if he's a multimillionaire or whatever he is, yeah, sure. Anything that's not going to make him 10 X more than he already has is going to be a failure. And so it's always relative, right, on how much and where you're already at. At least I think so. You know, the, the whole concept, I would, I, would not, I would not describe Sifter as a breakout success. Breakout success to well, me... Sifter is definitely not a breakout success. There's no doubt about means that. You're making, it means you're making double-digit million dollars a year. You get, to, you get people you don't have to worry anymore. That to yep. me is a, break, a breakout success... Is like your album goes triple platinum or something. Yeah. And you have not done that yet. Here's what you've done. Listen to what you've done. You have created for yourself. Independence. You've created independence for yourself. You have created a situation where you work for yourself. You set your own hours. That doesn't mean you set yourself a lot of hours. You do. I mean, you work a lot. But you, you set them yourself. Yeah. And any success that you have or failure, but any success that you have within the context of your business, whether it's 100 new signups 
this month, whether it's you sent out a newsletter and 10 people canceled because you reminded them that they had an account they weren't using, which happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Any success or failure that you have, you that's on you. You take credit for that. And there's something special about that. And you can find that within a company. You don't have to quit to get that. It's just harder to find. It's harder to find a company that connects you that way. Why did you leave your company? What were you doing and why did you leave? And by the way, if you want to, if you want to call in, we got a couple lines open again. I had, 512-518-5714, number to dial. I had always known I was going to do something. I didn't know what or when. Um, and in this case, it totally just kind of the stars aligned and you and Keith really just kind of pushed me over the edge and made me think I was an idiot if I didn't jump on it. Keith is another uh, one of your um, entrepreneurial friends who works at a, another company out there in Dallas. He's quite successful. Yes. Uh, so I had started just kind of mocking things up and exploring ideas and then just randomly showing them to people with absolutely no serious intentions of ever doing anything beyond maybe creating an app and open sourcing it. Uh, and y'all pretty much convinced me you're stupid. You've come this far. Uh, why don't you build this? Of course, that's easier said than done. But I had also, you know, at that point had been for the previous year paying off credit card debt, wrapping up all those loose ends, putting some money into savings, lining up some freelance work and that sort of thing. So it really just so happened that all the stars aligned and and I could do it. And I finally just bit the bullet and, and made it happen. And at the time too, and this is easy to gloss over, I was... um. I went up, had a girlfriend, no kids, uh, no mortgage. So I definitely didn't have any significant obligations or risks, but that was also by design. It was no accident that I lived in a small shoebox apartment when I could afford more, um, you know, and that sort of thing. It was all by design so that I would have that flexibility. And when the situation arose, it was easy. It was a, it turned into a no brainer. Again, thanks to you and Keith kind of shoving me over the cliff. Well, you know, and that you go back to something that uh, Phil Kaufman said when he was sitting here last week, and he he was talking about it in the context of, <clears throat> excuse me, of having a mentor, of having a mentor or a business partner or whatever. Absolutely. And in in a way, you know, Keith has kind of been your your business partner, but this has really been you. But you've had other people that you could call. Keith is really a great example because I know he's been a, a regular advisor to you, uh, and I guess I helped a little. Oh, yeah. Is you could call up and you could say, well, I, I'm, I'm trying to make a decision here. Here's my decision. Here's what I'm leaning toward. And most of the nine times out of 10 that you ever came to me, you were right on. And it just seemed like you just needed someone to kind of say, yeah, man, you're thinking right. You're, you've yeah. got it right. Validation. Validation and not, and not having that. This goes back to the whole fear concept. Fear yeah. that's driving you to independence, like Alex says. Well, yeah, the fear can drive you to independence. And then it can drive you back. Can drive you back. How many times, Dar- listen, Garrett, how many times have you heard the, the blog post from the designer? It's always a designer, too. The blog post from the di- designer who says, I'm striking out on my own. I'm going to open my own design studio. It's going to be great. And they do it. And then they get some really great clients. And you see the work that they're doing. And you're like, hey, man, he's making it. You know, he's doing it. Check him out. Like he's doing it. And then after like a year, there's a post that they're joining some other design company or some design agency. And you're like, huh. 
I wonder why he did that because arguably as an independent designer, he was doing, he was successful. And so when I talk to these people, usually in confidence, the answer they almost always tell me is, man, it's a lot of work to run your own business. Man, it's a lot of work dealing with clients. Man, it's a lot of work doing X, Y, Z. These aren't things that they didn't know, but experiencing them and going through them mm-hmm. is a completely different thing. And you've been through a lot running this thing that you've been doing. Uh, I wouldn't say a lot. You've been Again. through a lot, man. Think back to those calls, those calls that you did where you were just, you needed to figure out how to take a, break, a vacation, but you couldn't take a vacation because there was nobody else to, to run the stuff while you were gone. Yeah. I remember being scared of airplane flights because I wouldn't have internet. Yeah. That and that and you not having internet for the duration of a flight for three hours, that could be life or death for your service. Well, for the for the servers, as I understand now, you know, as long as that's not happening all the time and that doesn't become normal, people are, are surprisingly understanding about that. You know, if that happens once a day or once a week or even once a month, that may be a different story. But if it's once or twice a year, you're down for 20 minutes, uh, you know, optimizing to stay up for those 20 minutes just isn't worth it. So uh, people were, people were real, a lot more understanding. And that took a while for me to realize and accept because I didn't want that downtime. But yeah. once I realized that, it's, it's, it's not as bad. Oh, so you're, you're downplaying it, dude. You were, you were in a bad place. The fear definitely influenced uh, my decision-making during that time period. You'd get to be, you'd get to be so you're driven by fear. Listen, I got someone from Florida on the line here. Hang on. 850, isn't that Florida? Oh my God, listen to that. What is he on a train? They're in a hurricane. <laughs> I, had to, I had to dump him. Oh, I hate that. This is too loud. Florida, if you're still listening, call back when you're out of the train. Hattie, what's 865 fast? 865. And what's 8678? Where, where did my thing go? 678. Should be fast. Greater Atlanta metropolitan area. Atlanta. Ooh. See, look, I have to go I don't know through. If I like want to this. take a call from Atlanta. All right. We were in Atlanta. Atlanta. Hey, how's it going? This hey. is uh, Patrick. Pat- Patrick, you're uh, back. It's, <laughs> it's actually not Atlanta. Um, I'm actually in New York. All right. But uh, six seven eight is Atlanta. Okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway. <laughs> um. So I'll just like kind of run through it really quickly. Um, basically, like um, I'm, I work at a place that I really enjoy, um, but I've recently decided that I'd like to get away from New York and see something else. But um, I'm a front-end developer, by the way. And uh, so recently, I've, a guy I used to work with who is a designer, um, when I first started out as an intern, he's recently offered to um, take me on sort of almost as a partner. Um, I would be freelance, but I'd be acting a lot like a partner. Um, and it would be a way to kind of a weird opportunity to have like a mentorship sort of situation to start something out on my own. Um, I My only fear is like, being able to progress as a developer when I'm by myself. I guess that's the nutshell of it. How much would you be by yourself versus working with the dude? How much would I be? How much would you be by yourself? 
compared to like spending time with the dude? How much would you be by yourself? Oh, oh, um, probably he, he has already, we've already discussed this and he sort of guaranteed that, you know, he has no fear of providing enough work for the two of us. Um, you know, he's a good friend and I've worked with him for two years before and, uh, I trust him on that. And so I, I mean, it's probably be 10% or 20% on my own. So that, what, what are you scared of? You're saying you're scared of being out in the world on your own. Do you, um, let me ask you a couple of questions. Just, do you have, do you have a family to support? No. Do you have a lot of debt? Nope. No debt. Do you, are you totally in love with the job you'd be leaving? Um, I'm, I really enjoy it, but I really don't like New York. I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> I've decided that I'd rather be, you know, somewhere else. Well, I mean, um, honestly, also, it sounds, it sounds like, and you sound like you're maybe in your mid twenties. I'm, I'm 23. Okay. I mean, I, I think, and, I think you're, 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 you're well poised to make this change and try this thing out. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I mean, it, it sounds like you're well poised to quit if you wanted to. It sounds like you, you've got, an, and is this guy guaranteeing you hours and guaranteeing you pay? I know you yeah. said it's freelance, but he's probably said something like, Hey, I can guarantee you 20, 30 hours a week at X rate per hour. And you know, you can, you can pay the bills with that. Yeah, that's correct. Do you have any money in the bank? Um, not a whole lot, which is why I'm leaving New York. Oh yeah. Too expensive up here. So do, I mean, I, I mean, for what it's worth, I would do it. I yeah. was way, I was well, way too conservative in my twenties. I had to go crazy yeah. in, in my thirties. I had to start taking incredible risks in my thirties because I, I was, I was too dumb to do it in my twenties. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. I'm, I guess my big fear is just like, because I want to be continuing to like be a better developer, but if I'm, you know, I have, I have no technical guidance, basically. I'm just kind of learning uh, stuff completely on my own, you know. That's then Garrett Diamond stagnation. right there. Stagnation that, is, my... that is not something to worry about. If you, as long as you have the desire to stay on top of your skill set and you follow blogs and follow, you know, the, the right people in your skill set on Twitter, uh, keep up with the news you're, you're going to have plenty of opportunity to try your own stuff. And, and in fact, if anything, if you're on your own or, you know, in a situation like that, whereas a larger company might be like, oh, HTML5, that's too scary. We can't do that. Or CoffeeScript, no, 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 you're not allowed to do that. You can actually <laughs> make the call on that yourself without needing buy-in or approval from somebody else. And, you know, so if anything, you have more opportunity to branch out and expand your, uh, your knowledge and your skill set. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that was just my big fear stagnation. Now you're not yeah. that stagnation. If, if you're on your own, the I, I've never heard somebody on their own come back and say, Oh, I'm dealing with stagnation here. I, 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 you know, I think it's the total, opposite. I mean, it, it, the, what I hear is that people are like, man, I'm learning so much. I'm learning stuff I never in a million years could have possibly learned unless I had taken this jump because now I need to learn X. I need to learn Y. I need to learn Z. And there's no way I would have even known that I needed to learn these things unless I had done this because now I got to do everything. 
or now I've got to do all these other things because I don't have that support structure. I don't have, you know, Bill in the server room to go in and, uh, you know, install the latest, uh, you know, uh, update to MySQL. I've got to figure that out. And if you're the type of person to already be worried about and mindful of that, chances are you're not going to let that happen. You're going to stay on top of that and keep learning. And you're just, you're not going to have a chance to slow down and stagnate. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Do it. Just go uh, yeah, go and do it. Go take the opportunity and uh, and go save up some money in the meantime and go do it. You're gonna be all right. All right. Thanks, all right. Guys. Relax. Have a good one. You too. I think he's gonna be all right, Gary. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. He's gonna be all right. And that's the thing is I get these I get these calls. How old are you, Gary? Can you say that on the air? Do you care? Uh, last I checked, I think I was thirty four. Thirty four. Thirty four golden year salad days oh uh, yeah you've got a child i do now yes you have a wife i do people break in your house <laughs> while <laughs> <Yes>. you're there <laughs> yes they do that's a robbery yes it uh thankfully didn't get that far but you're well, on the you're on the news yeah yeah i mean that's a lot of responsibility it is and your wife is your wife is with the kid. She is, yeah. We're both here. Actually, all three of us are here at the house all day long, every day. And uh, how's that? How do you deal with that? Uh, keep the door shut and put on my headphones. <laughs> uh, put on your headphones. You write code. Yeah, you know that's not that bad though. That uh, all that kind of you know, I hop out of the office and go out there and hang out with them for ten, fifteen minutes whenever I need a break, and then come back in here and, and get to work. So, I think at some point, once she's old enough to open the door, my daughter, not my wife, um, and come in here and, you know, be cute and ask me what I'm doing and all that. We may have to get some office space or something, but for now, it's not too bad. It's kind of nice. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of things that I hear from people who are working at home and stagnation is not one of them. If anything, it's hard to, well, it gets to, if you're still specializing in front end stuff, like it sounds like he probably would, um, it's not that bad, but you know, in my case, I've learned way too much. I wish I didn't learn half of what I've had to learn since, uh, launching Sifter. I, I'm so far behind on front end stuff. Like we have a, a front end guy that we are, you know, he's been doing some awesome work now that we've able to have somebody else and. He's uh, just been working on like little miniature small projects. Yeah. Weekend, and he was in Campfire today. He's like, so I added this uh, ARIA stuff for accessibility and some keyboard navigation. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> like, I'm not even, I mean, I'm vaguely familiar with all of it, but I wouldn't have even thought to do it because I would have just been trying to make it work, let alone doing, you know, the cutting edge front end best practices that are out there today. And so it was just like, wow. I, I am not able to keep up with all the technology out there, no matter how bad I want to. I mean, that's, that's the thing is, is eventually the opposite I think will happen for him is that he'll think that he's so, he'll think that he's so he's, he's almost out of the loop, not because of stagnation, but he'll, he'll, he'll be worried. He'll be worried that he can't keep up to speed because he'll be just on his own. Thankfully, with Twitter these days, it's kind of hard. If you if you want to stay in the loop, in the know on something, 
you know, you follow the right people. It's not hard. If anything, it's overwhelming. It's like drinking from a fire hose. I'm going to take another call. Ready for another one? I am. People who don't like the calls. I mean, I'm ready. Not, I'm ready for the area code. Oh, you're ready for the area so code eight six five. Eight six five. Tennessee, except Knoxville metro area, Chattanooga, Bristol, Johnson City, Kingsport, Greenville, something. Tennessee. Like How about Knoxville? Knoxville. I'll take it. Except Knoxville. Can we call you? John? Can we call? <laughs> what's your What's your name? My name is George. George Knoxville. How are you doing? I'm good. This is uh, this. This is probably the most relevant episode to my experience as a quitter. Um, and I, I keep thinking about the fear, and the fear was huge. And I, I would definitely agree that it's probably the the most important thing to, to like, push you and keep you going. Um, I, was, uh, I worked at a small design firm, marketing firm, for about 10 years. And, uh, as a designer, and so I wasn't a corporate stooge, but I was just like, uh, still working for the man, you know? And, um, it got to the point where it was like 10 years is a long time to work in any like design position. Was that your first, was that your first job out of college? It was, it was my second. Yeah, I guess I worked at another firm for like six months and it was just horrendous. And, uh, this is a place that I interned when I was in college. I left for a few months after school and I came back and I was there for, uh, for nine and a half years. And, um, so yeah, it was like, that was, that was just the life that I knew. And it became like a really dysfunctional family. And I kind of, for a long time really kind of disagreed with how the company was run and it, it wasn't like um, you were talking about learning things and innovating and yeah. innovation was kind of discouraged for the sake of let's just get this work done and queue up the next job. And the, the owner um, had these kind of this sense that he was going to turn this company into something really huge. And every time he tried to grow it, tried to grow it, he would grow it really quickly and end up losing half of his shirt and have to lay off people and end up contracting back down to like five people. And so, you know, obviously it just wasn't happening the way that he wanted it to. And anytime anything like that happened, people would be really unhappy and, you know, it would just be a really toxic environment. Yeah. Toxic environment. That's a whole topic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's like the subtopic. To mind, but um, but yeah. So I, uh, after being there for so long, I I had looked at other jobs and and nothing really felt right. And I still had that, but you keep going back to the illusion of security. And I thought, well, you know, this is a job, and I've got insurance, and I've got to, you know, he pays three percent of my four hundred one k or whatever. And right. so, <laughs> you know, um, so. That was, you know, this is my job, and oh, the economy's tanking, and you know, so you just feel like that's what you have to hold on to. And um, one day, I was, I was, I was at a point where I was pretty happy with the work I was doing. I wasn't like exceptionally unhappy there, but I went in and I saw some random piece of trivia that said people who are, um, people who are in a bad job are generally 
pretty much always less happy than people who are unemployed. And I thought, I'm still really pretty unhappy. And I could try being unemployed and see how unhappy I am then. <laughs> so I thought, all right, I'm going to lay this plan out. I'm going to quit my job. Yeah. And so I thought, all right, I've got two weeks and I'll, I'll get paid this Friday. I'll get paid two weeks from this Friday. And then I'll have like three weeks of vacation left. Um, I had about 600 bucks in the bank. Jeez. <laughs> I had a, a massive amount of debt. I'm married. My wife works, um, but she she's a teacher, so oh, so she I, she makes twenty five grand a year, a lot. yeah, <laughs> something like that, yeah. So, uh, but uh, she saw how miserable I I was for for so long in my job, and so she was really supportive of me doing this. And she basically her her only thing was you just need to make a plan, yeah. And so for these last. I, I I gave myself one week before I would turn in my notice. In that week, I just hustled. I made just fired up every connection I had around town, friends and business contacts and stuff. And I, I wanted to um, I wanted to make sure that I did it right and didn't. I could burn a bridge, but I didn't want to just blow it up and make a big thing yeah, about burning it. bridges. Um, is bad. I didn't want to steal. Yeah, yeah. I told that story about and, how I went back into that place to interview, and there was some some woman that I had worked <laughs> with years ago, and I mean, I didn't even know I was burning that bridge with her, and yet there I was burning that bridge. Yeah, you just never know. And and I know, having worked at this place, I know how people who leave this place are spoken of, and I wanted to minimize. You know, the part of me says, "Well, screw them. Who cares what they say?" But you still don't want people just talking crap about you on your back. No. Just, just All right. So what, where, where are you going with this? So, What's your question? Have you got a lot of time. So anyway, What's going yeah, on? I'm sorry. It's all right. So yeah. So I, I just, I up and quit. I had, uh, I had a few bucks in the bank and, but this, this massive amount of debt. And, um, so this, the fear was just huge. So basically that's what pushed me to get all the work that I got. Um, I landed some contract work. Um, and then just a lot of, fresh clients and a lot of word of mouth business. I haven't done any sort of advertising or anything. And, um, it's, it's made me considerably more money and considerably more happy than I ever was in my other job. And then, uh, kind of the follow out fallout after that was a good friend with whom I'd worked for five or six years, quit a few months later. He's a lot happier. He's, I, I hope he calls in one day. I'm gonna I hope he does. Him yeah, get him, get him to listen. Um, listen, we, we want him to listen. All right, so listen, congratulations, Steve, for making your yeah. change. And thanks for the call. So thanks anyway, for telling yeah, the story. We got, I got to let you go. I got to let you go. All right. Thanks, thanks for the call, man. Bye. All right. He's gone. We lost another caller because they gave up. Well, and that reminds me too, like people think that quitting is this singular moment of I quit my job on my own. Cool. What do I do now? And the reality is like, it shouldn't work that way. It doesn't have to work that way. Um, I was preparing to quit for probably a year before I did quit. I wasn't unhappy with my job. Uh, you know, I, I just, I knew that I wasn't going to be there forever. So it's, you know, you spend a year laying the groundwork and it doesn't have to be this singular moment of, of, do I or don't I? Oh my gosh, what if? But hey, I'm ready. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. 
lay the groundwork so when the opportunity comes, you're prepared and don't even have to worry about it. Laying the groundwork. What a great statement. And that's something that I've talked about before when I started down on my own thing. I, you know, I had, I had been working for a dot-com that exploded and blew up. So I wasn't able to lay any groundwork that time. But being able to go, like we've heard a couple of the callers talk about, and like you were able to talk about, how if you have this as a plan, and I don't want people to get the misunderstanding or the wrong idea. I don't want people to think that I'm saying you can't have a successful business you can't start a business that becomes successful while you're doing a full-time job. You can, but you're going to get to a point where you need to make a decision between the business and the job. You can't do both. Yeah. And you were there and you were doing, and what you would do was kind of interesting. It was kind of something I'd never heard before. I mean, it's ideal and not everybody's going to have this situation, but because of the connections that you had in the industry, you would go in and you would work. You would work. You know what I mean? You would work and, and you'd bust your ass and you'd do some consulting gig for X number of months. Mm. And then you would save up as much money as you could, bank as much of that money as you could. It was pretty good money you were making. And then you'd spend the next whatever it was, month to three months working just on Sifter full time. Yeah. And then you'd do the consulting project again for a few months. Then you'd come back Sifter again. Mm-hmm. And that's, it- that's kind of how you self funded your project so that you would actually have full-time stuff that you could do in the meantime. Well, and and that wasn't the hard part. The hard part was once Sifter launched and it wasn't making enough money to support me, but it was needing enough attention that having a full-time job was difficult and trying to bridge that gap was the tough part. And I didn't make it any easier by deciding to buy a house during that period and some other stuff. But, um, you know, that, that's where it kind of gets living in two worlds can wear you out very quickly. So I, I wouldn't advise it, but it's not the, you could do worse. I just, I love, I love thinking about your story. I think about your story a lot because so many times people, they struggle with this fear. They struggle with the fear. They're like, I really want to make this change. I don't know how to do it. But it's all about having that plan. It's about having a supportive. Your wife was not against you doing this, was she? No, no, not at all. She uh, Was she against you doing it after you were working those crazy hours and you couldn't take any breaks? You couldn't go on vacation? And she was like, what's happening to my husband? He's a, he's a shell of a man. No, she's, she's never had problems with uh, any of the decision making or if I tell her, hey, guess what? I'm going to make 75% of what I could make at a regular job. Um, she's always been fine with that. It's never been a, a problem. It's more, you know, the days where I'm just completely beat down because something went wrong that day, you know, or everything went wrong that day. Uh, you know, those are the days that, you know, I don't want to say she's not, not supportive, but those are the days that she's concerned about. She doesn't care about any of the other aspects. She's like, wow, it's just, it really, you know, beats you up. But, you know, again, like I said before, you have those days at a regular job too, you know, so you don't really buy anything or lose anything. Um, in that, in the context where you're doing it for yourself, it's at least it's your work and you're not doing it for somebody else. So, but yeah, she's, she's been supportive. That's definitely been key. Um, 
That's the key. Yeah. We hear this all the time when people come in and they tell their they tell their stories. The only way you hear the story is there's two things that happens. Either I was independent, I had no debt, I had some money in the bank, I started my own thing. Or you do like uh what was the dude's name? Tyrus? How he comes Ti- Titus? In? No, because he tweeted me and it's, it looks different. You said Titus though. I said Titus because <laughs> I thought that was it. But Tyrus is his name. He's a cool dude. He where he went in and snuck in and grabbed something. But see, that's the whole other thing. You don't have time for fear if you're chasing an opportunity. You don't have time for fear if you're going after something like that. You know what I'm saying? You don't have time to be afraid. Yeah. Well, and, and in that case, the, the fear almost pushes you to, you, you've got no, no room for error. You work harder and you make it happen because you don't have it. There's no, there's no other option. I like, I like that when you have no other option. And that was my situation. I couldn't find a job and I had to do something. If you're in that situation, you've got no options. I like that. People well, think I'm trying to tell Garrett, people think I'm trying. Did I ever encourage you to quit your job? Did I ever say, Yoni, you shouldn't do that? Not directly. What'd I say? You told me I shouldn't open source it and that I should make it a business. Okay, so you came to me with the idea and you wanted to. You were saying, I want to build the best issue tracker in the world. I want it to be simple. I want it to be easy. I want it to be something designers won't be afraid to use and project managers will enjoy using and regular human beings will actually be able to use because right now all of the issue trackers and bug trackers that exist in the world, all of them, guess what? They're really hard to use. They're designed for programmers. They're designed for Uber geeks. They're designed for people who love... You know, Microsoft Windows. These are not designed for the, you know, the rest of the world. And you're right. So you, you said, I'm going to build this thing. And you were going to release it as open source. You were going to open source it and give it to the world. And uh, Keith and I, and I did not know Keith at the time, but we both beat you up and said, dude, this could be an amazing project that you could build and turn into a business for yourself. And there's absolute, let me be clear about this. So much of what I've built over the years has relied upon open source software. And without that software, so much of what I've built and and made my previous career doing just simply couldn't have happened. So I'm a huge supporter of open source software. But you were not talking about making a little thing that was open source. You were talking really from the beginning and I could tell from the way you described it. I could tell from your goals. I could tell from what you wanted to do. You were really describing a business to me. And the detail of the business was it was going to be the software that you had to build. You weren't coming to me and saying, I want to write some code and the code's going to be really cool and this thing's going to be re-. You were describing a business. Yeah. You were talking about a business and that's, well, you know what, this is a good question maybe for a future show, a topic for a future show is how do you know when what you're thinking about doing is a viable business? I like that idea. How do you take a letter? Taking a letter right now. That was our clicking the so, pen, yeah. I guess. That's a good topic for a future show. But yeah. how did you know, Garrett? How come you decided not to, I mean, obviously Keith and I were threatening to kill you, but how come you decided to make this well, into something that was a real business. And how did you go about doing that? Many years before, Keith and I had sat down with a spreadsheet and tried to put together the numbers and see, okay, could we do this? But at the time, um, Keith was running and I was an employee of this, uh, it was about a 20-person little agency. And the catch was, there's no way we could have grown the business quick enough to scale over 20 people from doing 
the ho-hum consulting work to supporting this app. And so it would have been a very difficult transition. And we just kind of said, nah, forget it. Uh, and then here we were five years later and I had created a bunch of comps and he saw it and he's like, okay, well, now that you've got something real, you should build this. We sat down, we ran through the spreadsheet again, except this time the only real expense was me or my finding time from me to work on it. Uh, there was no transition or consulting company to support or anything like that. So the numbers were a lot easier to make work. Uh, Keith had set aside money specifically to invest in something like this. And we had known each other long enough and all of that, that uh, we looked at the numbers. I looked at, you know, kind of my next six months based on my savings and, and projected uh, consulting work. And Keith said he'd write a check for the difference. And that was enough for me to quit. And, and I should admit, it, it kind of mentioned too, at the time, the company that I worked for was in the process of getting acquired by a much, much larger company. And part of the motivation was I pretty much was a foot out the door anyways because I was interested in this and they had a very uh, specific and non-friendly agreement that I would have had to sign that basically says they owned all of my ideas and I just didn't like that. And so I was probably going to quit anyways. It was just a matter of what was I going to do. And y'all, like I said, the stars just aligned and everything kind of fell into place. And that's what I did. All right, listen, we got another call in here and take this one. 850. Eight. Nah, we already, I already took them. 850, who's this? Jacksonville, Florida. Hey, Dan, it's Brian from Atlanta. Atlanta? What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do you call I quit Florida. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> good riddance to that I state. Like Dan already likes you. Yeah, I like, I like you. You've, you've upgraded slightly <laughs> by going to Atlanta, but not much. Not, not much. Not much. No, I, I agree with you. I, so I'm the guy with the hair and the tie from the Atlanta meetup. Oh, with the crazy hair. Oh, dude, he's awesome. You're, yeah, you're, you're a cool dude. We hung out. Oh, we hung well, out. Let thanks. me tell you this. We went, so we went to Atlanta. And we hung out. MailChimp brought me out there. I have a picture of him on my phone. You do? What do you, where are where you? Are you? Bus Depot? What is happening to this guy? What? Where are you? I, I am in my car, but uh, my hands-free kept messing up, so I'm on my, you know, tall information phone five earbuds. All right, so listen, we went out to Atlanta and gave a talk over at MailChimp. They're probably like the, yeah, there he is. Look at this picture of you. <laughs> this is a picture of him right there. Phone. Awesome. All right, so we, we went we hung out at this, uh, we went to MailChimp. We, I gave a talk about, I actually gave a talk about failure. And uh, then that night we had a little meetup in Atlanta. How many people do you think showed up? Uh, who? What's your name again? Brian. Okay. How many people do you think showed up? I think 20, 25 at least. Yeah, I think it was. I got yeah, there a little late. Between so. 20 and 30 were there, I think, when we showed up, which is a nice turnout. And you, you hung around for a while. You remember AF Waller had a little I, thing of tea? He was walking around with tea. I have the tea picture too. He had like his own oh little thing gosh. of tea. He's pouring tea. Yeah, his pinky up and everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a picture him with tea. He had like a whole little, like a little wooden, little special tray gonna, all to himself, a little teapot. I'm just waiting for it. Like, dude, everyone else is and drinking like beer and, 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 and straight drinks. He shows up with rolls in with tea. He's brewing his own tea. It, I don't even think they nowhere, sold tea right? there. Like it just magically appeared. It's really weird. And then you show up and you've got the giant hair. You got a tie on. Okay. What are you calling about? 
What do you need? You don't need this. You're a, you're a, you're too rich to be calling in shows like this. Oh, uh, well, well, you uh, you say call in or, or listen if you've reinvented yourself in a job. Okay. And I I did that. Well, tell me about it. All right, so, come on. I mean, this is right, your just yeah. your chance to shine. <laughs> Spotlight's so right now, on you. All I do is <laughs> thanks. Um, right now, I I don't have to work unless I you know really want to, right? Uh, unless it really excites me. And I think traveling and, and staying in hotels really sucks and I want to fix it. So I work for a company that I can do that with. And for the first probably six or seven months, uh, it, it was horrible. I hated it. It was brutal. And it was just, you know, at first I thought it was cool. And then after the first two months, it started to be like, this is not what they told me it was going to be at all. This is, this is horrible. This is a corporate stooge job. This, this is dumb. I don't need this. But I stuck around because I thought, well, maybe it's just, you know, new jitters or whatever. And then I finally, it, it was unbearable. I didn't want to go to work. I'm like, why am I leaving my kid for this, right? Why am I doing this right. hour and a, and a bit drive in Atlanta, right. which is worse than L.A., you know, oh, for God. this crap? It, it, was, it was bad. So finally, I go into my boss one day. We used to have these weekly, you know, like one-on-one meetings. I'm like, what is going on here? I mean, this is nothing like, you know, what I thought it would be. Right. And, and um we talked about, I had this one, I would call it a failure. He called it a failure. And this is supposed to be like a startup incubator within this company. And it's supposed to be an okay place to fail early and fail often. And, you know, it was kind of the only failure so far there. And, and I was made to feel just horrible about it. And I've never, I mean, I've had other startups that have failed after my, you know, one that, that succeeded and that was okay. Right. It was no big deal, but this, for some reason, just, it, it ate me up and, and he made it eat me up. Right. So we talked about it. And finally, ever since I talked to him about it, he's, it's been cool. It's been great. And I've kind of taken this one thing we use design thinking, which is a process, blah, blah, blah. I've kind of become the champion for that. And I try to tell the other departments in our organization about our department, about what we're doing and, and letting them see, you know, Hey, this is a cool place that is doing innovation and we're trying to make it the company culture. But just giving up the, the the gumption, if you will, to do it um, was what hard a good what a like good a word gumption. Do you ever read a Persig's uh, Zen in the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance? Of course, of course, I did. Is that where you're pulling gumption from? Because man, what a word! No, I'm I'm pulling gumption. I think I have an English teacher somewhere that'll be very happy if they if they listen. <laughs> an SAT word, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah, exactly. Then because but they it, talk they talk like, about gumption, I could do I could talk. Uh, gosh, I could talk forever about gumption as it relates to Zen and the art of motorcycle mains. I mean, gumption and quality are the two big, big topics in this thing. But it's a great word. Exactly. So what are you, what are you doing now? What, are, what kind of advice? Because now, now that you, now, I mean, listen, this guy doesn't drive himself anymore. He's got a chauffeur. You know, he doesn't even, he's at the point now where he doesn't even have to put his own tie on. He just walks out. He walks out, out of his shower. He steps out of his shower. And he just says, clothe me. And people run up to him and put the clothes. I mean, it, this is amazing. You should see the videos. So tell me what's, what, what, what kind of advice do you have for the, for the folks that are listening to you now? I mean, you, you came out of this situation. What's going on with you? What, what kind of advice? Because we got to wrap this up. We're almost done with our hour. Sure, sure, sure. No, I, I just think like people that want to quit their, their current job and pursue something, like even just reinventing yourself, it's the same thing almost, I think having gone through it, I've never had to go through it before. And it's, it's the same thing. I understand why people 
are, are you know, fighting with it. And that's why your show is so great because you're helping people get the, the gumption, right? Get the nerve up to do it. Right. And um, even reinventing yourself, it can be hard. It can feel like quitting. And it kind of is. You know, you're quitting what you were doing before. And, right. and yeah, it's scary, but you should do it. Definitely do it. Yeah, you don't, you don't have to leave a company yeah. to uh, find a new job. Exactly, exactly. That's a great way to say it. I mean, that's what, what I talk about in the intro of this thing when I say reinventing yourself. You know, you're talking about you're talking about doing something that within the context of what you have, explore that first. People always think, and because obviously the show's name is quit. But I'm not I'm not just telling people they need to quit. I'm telling people they need to quit the thing that they're doing. They need to quit the thing that they're doing and they need to figure it out. They need to figure it out and they need to reinvent themselves, need to reinvent their job. They need to figure something out. If they're unhappy, if you're unhappy, there's better things out there. Sometimes it might mean leaving that job. Sometimes it might mean something else. Yeah, people will surprise you, right? Yeah. Yeah, like uh, I totally, I talked to my boss about it. It totally surprised me. I was not expecting it to go the way it did. But man, it was great. And, and you know, it's, it doesn't feel like a corporate stooge job anymore. It feels like what I was told when I uh, when I decided to go and, and do this. Well, and two, if your boss doesn't know you're miserable, if you don't tell them. That's right. You know, they yeah, just assume everything's true. fine, so they just maintain the status quo. But if you say, hey, look, this isn't working, what can we do to make it work? It totally reframes the conversation. That's such a great advice, Garrett. I remember a time when I was working at a place and, uh, and I had put in my two-week resignation. And I, I barely got to communicate with my boss. He was so busy. He was always traveling. He was always gone. He was CEO of a company. I was CTO of a company. And I was miserable. And I told him, and, I, and, and he came back to me. and said, Dan, you must have been really miserable to just give a two-week notice. I said, dude, I've, tried, I've been trying to get in touch with you and talk to you for a month. I, the whole reason I joined the company was because I wanted to learn from you and work with you. And, and yet I, now all I did was work with your project manager. And I mean, she was great, but I wasn't learning from her the way I was going to learn from him. And there was no context to reframe it. But I left another place. And when I gave, you know, giving your notice, that's the, to be honest, if you think there's a shred of opportunity left for you before you leave, like go to your boss, be prepared to leave, be prepared to give your notice. But before you do it, go to your boss and say like, dude, I'm unhappy here. Don't just give that notice and be like, I'm out. Peace. You know, give, give the notice and, and, and say, I mean, rather than give the notice, go in there and say, listen, I'm not happy. And here's what I think you guys could do that would make me happy. And either they can help you do that. If you showed up with them with a plan, if I had an employee come to me and say, here, you know what? I, I like working here. I like being a part of this. I'd like to stick around. But these things are missing from my job. These things are missing from me. These things make me feel unhappy. Don't treat it as a resignation. No, no boss in their right mind is going to say, screw you then. Get lost. Screw off. We don't need you. You're not happy. You're not happy to be working here. Get lost. You don't want to work at a place like that anyway. You're better off gone. But if you could go into somewhere and express that kind of thing to your boss, if, if someone said that to me, I'd be like, wow, this person is really valuable to me as an employee. I really like having them on my team and like working with them. I sure don't want to lose them. And these things they're proposing, you know what? That might actually, that might make things better around here. 
yeah, let's try doing those things. I mean, that's, that's my response. And that's the ideal response that you want. They might say, listen, I, I respect that. But really what we, what we really need right now is a systems analyst three whose expertise is in C sharp. And that's what we need you to do. And I'm sorry if you're not happy doing that, but that's your job. There's no management responsibilities associated with that job. We really need you to write code. And by the way, make sure you check in your code from yesterday. We didn't see it. Have that peer review. You know, then you know it's time to go. Unless you're just totally miserable and and you know it's wrong. You might be surprised what a company will do to keep you. To keep you. Because it, it costs a lot of money to find somebody, to hire somebody, to train them, to get them integrated, to get them into place. The other key, too, is you, you've got to go to them before you've got a foot out the door and an offer oh, in yeah. your hand. Because, once it, you, have that, you know, people it, are worried, though, Garrett. They're worried that the boss is going to turn around and say to them, well, you're, you know what? If you're not happy, you can get lost. Well, they're well, not going to do that. They're not going to do that. And if yeah, they do, you don't want to work there anyway. Especially if you frame it right. And you don't go to them and say, I'm miserable, I'm about to quit, do something or else. Instead, go, go look, you know, here's some things I'm concerned with, with my job, whatever the case may be, whatever detail of it. Uh, and just talk about it, bring it up in a discussion rather than a statement, you know, where you're, it's more of an open-ended, let's talk about it. And uh, the chances of it going wrong are zero to none. Yeah. You know, there's, it's not going to happen. And like you said, if it does happen, for instance, one time when I gave my two week notice um, at a company where it just it wasn't going to work, <laughs> my boss didn't say another word to me for two weeks, despite the fact that our walls we shared a wall in our two offices, and he never said another word to me. Before that, we went to lunch every day, and was like, okay, well, that you know it makes the decision that much easier, knowing that that's the type of person he is, uh, you know, just. You know, you'll figure out what you need to know, and it'll help uh, bring clarity to any decisions you have to make if you're on the fence or having a hard time. All right. So, listen. Thanks for the call, man. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for all you guys do, Dan and Addy. Yeah, man. Take care of yourself. Bye. Thanks. See you too. Bye. He's a cool dude. He has crazy He's hair. He's got the craziest hair. Showed up with a tie. Anyway, he loosened. puts his, hair, his hand through his hair. It just goes that way. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> All right, Garrett, we got to wrap this thing up. It's been an hour. All right. Thanks for being here. Where can people go to, first of all, Sifter app? And tell them yeah. about that. Where do they go to find out? They, we, I hope, hopefully some people are interested in this because it's a really great service. It's a really great thing that you've built. And there's so much care that you've put into it. And the design, every single detail of this thing. You're a friend of mine. I mean, I'm not just saying it because you're a friend. If, if, if it sucked, I wouldn't be talking about it. Yeah, indeed. I'd hope not. But yeah, so, uh, you know, if you search for Sifter on Google, a whole bunch of stuff will come up. The first one will be us, uh, sifterapp.com, sifterapp on Twitter. Uh, if you search for Garrett Sifter, you'll see a whole bunch of stuff probably as well. But uh, Sifter is uh, the app. That's that's what I'm all about these days, that and the book. But the book is implicitly about Sifter in my experience. Building Sifter to hopefully help other people who want to build something like Sifter uh, with a whole lot less uh, mistakes, fewer mistakes than I made, not less, fewer. Um, 
And that book will be at startingandsustaining.com. And I tweeted. I about had that. no idea about that. You were doing that. Yeah, yeah. The I've, it's uh, it's going good. I'm hoping it'll be out March first. I'm gonna. Can you say the URL again? I'll put it in the show notes. Startingandsustaining.com. So getting over the hump and actually doing it, and then once you've done it, being able to manage it after the fact. And it's it's not about software development per se. It's more about the logistics of launching a hosted web application. Look at this site. I mean, it's such a nice site. It's got the right look to it. And that's, uh, I'm also going to, I just finished a spreadsheet to put out with that, that basically lets people put their own numbers in there and figure out all of the things and see whether their ideas and their costs and expenses make sense or whether they'd just be starting a business that would be out of business, you know, the next day or whatever. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of little tools like that to hopefully help people make decisions, make better decisions than I did and be able to do it with a whole lot less pain than I experienced. Listen to what you write about this. While starting Sifter, I got engaged and married, bought a house, moved a couple times, and we had our first child. Sifter influenced those decisions, and those decisions influenced Sifter. Some might say it's not appropriate for a book like this. However, in my experience, creating a business will inevitably ripple into your personal life, and managing that is just as important as managing the business. So while this book is about launching a business, building and launching a business, it will also acknowledge the personal side of the experience. You can't separate those two things, Garrett. Nope, not at all. Oh, I have a nice separation between work and personal life. I have a balance. Okay, nice to meet you. How'd you do it? You've never met anybody like that who's been really happy with either thing. Indeed. So, yeah, you know, there was somebody, I, one thing I want to address before I let you go, Garrett. Yeah. And also you can follow, you can, there's different ways to follow Garrett. First of all, sifterapp.com. It's in the show notes, five by five dot TV slash quits at five. You go to Garrett diamond. Now listen, don't be an idiot and put a D at the end of this guy's name. D's are for squares. There's don't no do D it. at the end of this guy's name. The cool people don't have D's at the end of their name. I don't or have a D at the end of my name. I don't have a D at the end of my name. Ryan Ireland. He no D. Right. Garrett we Diamond, only hang out with no people D. with no D's. Do you have a D at the end of your name? I'm going to have to... I've s- collected all the D's into my name. I've taken them. Yeah, you get them right in the middle. Yep. Where they belong. <laughs> in the sandwich. There's no D at the end of this guy's name. Don't be an idiot. Garrett, two T's, GarrettDiamond.com. I'll put that in the show notes. SifterApp.com. Just sign up. Try it out. And then you're on Twitter. I am. How do I, I get that? What is that? It's Garrett Diamond. Garrett Diamond everywhere. All right. Consistent. Yeah. Makes it easy. No D. No D or A. No A in them either. <laughs> Nothing. All right. So I've got that in the show notes. Anyone who wants to can follow you and ask you. They should ask you questions. Hunter. You've been through so much. You're so modest and you're trying to downplay it. I remember those nights you'd call me up just sobbing. <laughs> you would be crying. I mean, listen, there's no. I've cried. How do you seen me cry? We were watching Rushmore yep, on, the plane. on the plane. And she's like, what's wrong? I'm like, uh, the air, the vent from the air is in my eye a little bit. Yeah, he tried to really I, I mean, shrug I'm, it off. I'm a grown man. I'm crying at that one scene I know in what Rushmore. crying looks like. When looks like. he Don't introduces Bill Murray to his real dad. That's touching, dude. It's touching. I'm not embarrassed of that. Garrett called me crying. And I've talked you out of it. You came through it. Now look at you. Look at me. Dallas, Texas. I forgive you for that. Uh, I forgive myself every day. It's all right. 
someday it won't be Dallas anymore. That's the next. You can come down to Austin. Uh, you, did Austin, you know that Austin is the capital of Texas and Texas is the capital of the USA? Of the US, the whole US. It's true. Austin would probably be a distant second to Colorado. Pretty much anywhere in Colorado. Nailed it. But most likely somewhere near Crested Butte. Yeah. I'll visit you in Colorado. Hopefully we'll have room. I don't know. It's a little expensive up there. Might only have a shed out back or something. I like to spread out. Could I just take the master? Yeah, that's fine. All right. Man, that's what you do for a guest, right? Absolutely. I don't, you know, I'll be I got in a shack. That stuff I got to unpack. <laughs> I, I like room. I like just, you know, spread out. No, that makes sense. I understand. I don't like stacking all my stuff up. <laughs> you know, look, if I want to, I want to unpack the whole, the whole suitcase. I don't want to keep that in the suitcase. You know, what I saw in the Sky Mall the other day was the uh, shelves. No, because you, you told me you stole a Sky Mall from the plane. I didn't plane. steal a Sky Mall. They let you have it. Oh. And you pull it up out of your bag, and it's your clothes are already on shelves, and then you hang it in the this closet doesn't... in the hotel room. How cool is that? How cool is that? All right. A simpler solution would be to take less stuff. That's not possible. Hmm. <laughs> All right. So follow, everyone, listen to me. Follow Garrett Time. The man is is incredibly talented, wonderful designer, incredible programmer and developer. I'm glad to uh, call him my friend. Garrett Time and on Twitter. Very, very happy to help other people avoid the mistakes that I made. So um, hit me up with questions. Very good. And uh, I'm Dan Benjamin on Twitter. show is called Quit. Please consider rating it in iTunes. It's the probably the only way. Here's what I want to do. I want to come out with something where if you get somebody to listen to quit, then I'll come to your city and I'll buy you a beer. How are we going to do that? I think I don't think we need proof or anything. I just think we need people. You just yell out, Hattie, take a letter, and I'll write down the city, and then we'll go. We'll go to the city, and I'll, I'll thank everyone individually. If you, if, you, if you get a friend to listen to quit, I want to start a, a grassroots campaign because that's the best kind of marketing. Garrett, are you old enough to remember those uh, I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony co-commercials? It sounds vaguely familiar. There's a whole bunch of people up on a hill, all races, all ages, all genders. They were all friends. Drinking Coke. They're drinking Coca-Cola, which is the USA's uh, national beverage. It's not milk. Don't get fooled. And Santa is the national person of the USA. (laughs) I don't know what that means. (laughs) But anyway, that's what I want to start. I want to start a grassroots movement, just like that commercial. And uh, if you get a a buddy to listen to Quit, I'll come to your town and buy a beer. You can take that to the bank. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back again next week, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Try to take your calls. Sorry I didn't take as many calls as we had on, on hold. And in the meantime, if you'd like to leave me a voicemail, and I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I need you to leave me a voicemail. Next week is going to be all about the voice. Maybe I won't have a caller. Maybe I won't have a guest. Oh, just voicemail? That just might do be voicemails. nice. Or alternate. Or you should have a section at the end of the show or something. Like just in the middle of the show. Okay. Are you taking just, over the show? Are you controlling it now? No. Okay. Just, yeah. So then anyway, <laughs> maybe yeah. I'll just do a voicemail show. 512-222-8141. Again, the number, the number to dial for the voicemail to leave me a message. Tell me, tell me your problem. I'll help you. I'll solve your problem. Whatever you got. 512-222-8141. Thanks, everybody. Have a good week. Happy New Year.